five, four, three, two, one. You must listen to this and you must enjoy it. <laughs> Charlie, I can't hear it. Oh. Sorry. I <laughs> I was gonna be like <laughs> You can't hear it either, are you? No, I can't hear it. Oh, you sucker. You were gonna go the whole way without having to listen to it. Oh man. Right, I'm gonna leave that part in the podcast. <laughs> This week I did it my way. Baby, say, oh, now let's have some fun. There is nothing greater than Friday's nature. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Good Nature Radio, episode nine. Can you believe we've been doing this for nine weeks already? This is your host. God, we're pros. <laughs> haven't been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. That's because Charlie's in charge. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what's up, my juice lovers? Welcome to Good Nature Radio. This is your host, Charlie Wetloffer, joined by my esteemed co-host, Chef Ari Sexner, the number one juice business consultant in the world and author of The Juicing Companion. And of course, Olivia Esquivel, founder and owner of Southern Press Juicery and Wildcrafted Collection and the Blue Haired Wonder. And we purple. <laughs> oh, yeah, purple. It's purple it's <laughs> told you I shouldn't do that on the fly. I gotta think of that she stuff ahead of time. Oh <laughs> God, that's my whole brand. I have to change everything now. <laughs> told you I can't do intros on the fly. I gotta write it down first. And then we have a very special guest today. We have Ashley Swanson Torres. I think I said that right. Founder of mm-hmm. is it vegan out or vegan out? No, it's vegging out. We are plant-based, but we don't um, advertise being vegan at all. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, founder of Vegging Everybody Out. Everybody just assumes it. Which is a juice smoothie <laughs> nasible shop located in Lake Nona, a suburb of Orlando, Florida. And um, you sent me a couple of details about your business. I'll just read what you sent me here in the email. My husband and I moved to Lake Nona in 2015 and then saw the need in the market for a concept that focused on truly healthy, nutrient-dense, and delicious food. Everything we serve is thoughtfully sourced and plant-based. Most recipes, including our juice and smoothie master cleanse protocol, were created by holistic nutritionist. This has really allowed the Vegenout brand to take a thought leadership position in the market for using and proving food as, parentheses, is medicine with partnerships that enable us to explore multiple intersections of lifestyle medicine. Nutrition, exercise, community, physical health. That's great. Thank you for joining today, Ashley. Very excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I invited Ashley on today because she has firsthand experience using some of the bite technology smart fridges we talked about last week. So we'll get into that. We will also be discussing a major juice bar brand that's switched to 12-ounce HPP juice. We'll talk about that. Uh, getting ready for the holiday season, how to think about refreshing your menu and marketing sort of holiday juice cleanses and trying to drive some more traffic during the holiday season. So let's get into it. Oh, by the way, 
Very sad. We don't have any voicemails today, which hurts. That's because we've answered all of the questions. <laughs> um, please, everybody listening, go right now to goodnature.com slash radio. Hit the record button and record a message. Uh, if you're struggling with anything in your business or questions about good nature or the juice industry, or there's something maybe we talked about before, but you need some clarity on, please record us a message. I think it makes the episode so much better. We can hear from our wonderful good nature family. Um, all right, moving on. So smart fridge follow-up. Basically, since we discussed the bite technologies, smart fridges on the podcast last week, been a super popular topic in the YouTube comments and on the Good Nature Facebook group. There's like 45 comments now around this. Um, Dan from Byte says he's been getting like 10 plus calls, emails a day from our followers. <laughs> so I thought it would be good to keep the conversation going. And uh, as I was uh, reading the Facebook group, I saw that Ashley has firsthand experience using a few of these. Uh, so we can talk about the good things, the tough things with the technology, dealing with the health department. So that's really what I want to get into for the first segment. Um, so, Ashley, maybe we can start. You can kind of describe how you started out with using these devices and how this played a role in your brand so far. So we have a relationship where the exclusive food provider with a really large gym. It's the Lake Nona Performance Club. It has everything from rock climbing to a basketball court. I mean, it's got like 8,000 members. And so when they were opening their doors, they didn't have an integrated cafe or anything. So they were looking for support from a food perspective. So we brought two of the smart coolers over um, and have had them there for over a year now. It really, for us, um, the value is obviously the sales, but we have a ton of people that are coming to that location, seeing our box, and then coming across the street to the store. Mm. So we get that all the time, many times a day. I saw you at LMPC. I saw your brand over there. And then when I saw your retail store, you know, I've landed here. And then typically um, that drives repeat business as well. It's not typically a one time, you know, if someone's in town for a week, we become part of their routine pretty much because there's... We're still a very early stage developing area, so there aren't a ton of options um, for healthy food, but yet we're considered wellness real estate in um, Lake Nona. Hmm. So the branded cooler is sort of an advertisement for you as well. Um, totally. Driving business across the street. That's pretty cool. That's not something I considered. Not. Yes. So we ended up taking one of those smart coolers through our relationship with the Performance Club. Um UCF College of Medicine is also right across the street, and they have a partnership with the LNPC, and they have students there where they have a special interest group um, for plant-based food um, as part of their lifestyle medicine curriculum um, and content. And so we've got moved one of the boxes from LNPC over to there, um, and then through the visibility of just both of those boxes now, we have people asking about them. So um, we are waiting on a contract with a children's hospital, which I found is super interesting based on where it's located inside the hospital, determines who our regulators actually are. Um, hmm. And then we've had a new exclusive gym that's opened up, which is one of the posts where I said our new look, where we came up with a, another color palette for the wrap of the machine. 
And so that's where we'll be doing, we tailor each box very specifically to the demographic. Um, so they all, it's very, it's interesting to see, you know, how you can turn that into the most revenue out of the box um, based on what people are buying and the trends that you're seeing. It's so very different for every single machine. That's pretty cool, Ashley. I mean, so I spoke to Dan from Byte Technology. I think at this point, we've all spoken to Dan. We've made him a very popular man. <laughs> Um, but one of the things, you know, so in this group, I'm, I'm the one that has an actual juice bar. So I'm, I'm always thinking in that way. And, and when, um, last week on the podcast, when it came up and it was totally organic, we had no idea that she was going to talk about that. I was like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind because I do a lot of wholesale business. Um, but one of the things that I was talking to Dan about, um, with this technology was what you just said, being able to brand the fridge. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a really brilliant idea because I'm really big on branding. But like you said, you have one just across the street from your shop. So you could actually brand it. And I asked Dan, do you guys do it or do we do it? And he said that you could do it yourself because mm -hmm. um, it's really expensive to get it done in California. But you could actually probably, you know, put find find our full shop at, you know, for me, it would be to West Washington downtown. So like mm -hmm. you could actually really promote where your nearest location is. We do. Or we have a you, sign. And you don't yeah, even have to awesome. you don't even have to do that in the wrap. You can add that to the window with just if you want to change out the flyer and stick it on the inside oh. of the window, you can put any promotion you want. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Hmm. You speak a little bit more um well first of all the hospital idea is really interesting because like I, I've yeah. known people that work at hospitals and they always complain at hospitals that the food is terrible. Like they have contracts with those big food service companies and it's usually just all processed foods. Um, I do know it's changing in some areas now, but what's the process like, I guess, number one, getting into a hospital at all and getting them to consider putting you in there. And then you mentioned something about the regulations, depending on where you are in the hospital. So our introduction was a word of mouth referral, the way that we got um, connected to the hospital. They were, they actually reached out looking for a solution. Um, the contracting is they came over, they saw the um, unit, the UCF College of Medicine and kind of talked about how it works. And, you know, it's a very easy sell because it depends on, they can buy the machine, you can buy the machine, they can rent the machine. But when you say, if you just let give me two feet of space and I'll buy the machine, um, they're not necessarily looking to make a profit mm -hmm. like a gym would be. So you've got to think about who you're working on the relationship with, like at the UCF College of Medicine, that's a tax exempt institution. So we don't charge sales tax. They don't, they just want to provide a benefit. So the way you structure your relationship is really important. It kind of tells you um, who you want to go after. But from the hospital perspective, the um, cafeteria is open until like 3 p.m. and then not on the weekends. So if someone, mm. a nurse is coming in at night, she has zero access to food on her way in. She has zero access to food while she's there. So that's really, I think, where our focus will be. Whereas the people that are actually um, in the hospital, our food is um, a premium and it's a premium. And it costs even more to put it inside the machine because you've got extra labor, you've got extra packaging cost and things like that. So you, you've got to be able to balance like who's needing a better value, like um, a doctor recommending to someone that's on Medicaid, you know, to go and get a $13 salad is um, a high price point. So I think that where we'll see most of our traction is within the nurses and the people that actually work there. The standard in a hospital, you walk down the, the hallway and you see like soda and 
like chips and cookies and stuff. So, um, are, are you going to be the only healthier options in the hospital at that time when the food court's not open? Well, so it's there where they're putting it is on a floor where it's accessible to staff and, um, patients and patients' families. So it's not necessarily in the cafeteria. And as they were standing there, they're going, we could have a whole fleet of these. I could see that they'd be here, 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 and here. Mm. I'm like, yes, yes, let's get one. <laughs> and then, you know, let's get a bunch, <laughs> you know. So we, we used to sell inside of um, a really large local hospital here. And we just wholesaled directly to, um, they they were run by Aramark, which is a large food service um, provider. You know, they run yeah. like cafeterias and stuff like that. Yeah, thank you. Um and then when COVID came, they had to take out all third-party providers, all third-party vendors. So we weren't able to do it anymore. But pro- part of the problem was, I used to actually work at this hospital. Part of the problem was we were in the cafeteria section. And that section closes, just like you just said, at you know after dinner time or whatever. And so whoever was on the second or third shift, late night shift, didn't have access to us because um, they would check out with you know whoever was there. And so that was the big issue. So I think this is a huge solution. But then you said one thing that I hadn't really thought of. You're actually not just putting your own foods in there, but you're putting like siete chips and um, other chocolate in there. The one thing that kind of um, that I realized, like you said, had an extra cost when I was talking to Dan is, you know, I guess the barcodes or whatever they call them, the little tags. Those are um, cents pretty, a piece. they're expensive. Mm-hmm. They're expensive. And- so if you're thinking about putting in a bag of siete chips, you're paying mm-hmm. 2.5% credit card fees. And then if they're tapping, tw- you know, or swiping 20% on that, um, and then you have to pay a tag for each one. Mm-hmm. I was hoping there would be like a way to have the technology say, okay, in, in line A6, I'm always going to have the big green juice and assign that tag to a permanent skew. But the way that they do it is every single bottle has to have a tag it on it. It has to, because that's the how they know is. what the people are taking. Item. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I get it, but I just, just be thinking that that's some added cost that you're not realizing. And if you're putting in a, you know, two or $3 bag of chips, right. there's not much margin there for you. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, you definitely have to look at, and people, you know, they can provide feedback on how, uh, freshness value, you know, and that's where we get our lowest marks is on value. People don't understand like the convenience of it. And plus it being healthy is going to drive the price up. They don't, they don't see the, they think it's too expensive, (laughs) but it's like, there are just all these extra costs to it that you really have to think about. Olivia, what did you mention? 20% on swiping or something? Yeah. So I I just have on my notes from Dan, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley, but it, it costs 15 cents for each, what they call an RFP. RFG tag mm-hmm. per bottle. And then it's a 2.5% credit card processing fee. And then a 20 plus 20 cents oh, 20 for every cents. swipe and tap. Okay. Is that right? That makes sense. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Is that not what I said? No, I I, yeah. I thought you said so 20%. You know, and I was like, 20%. Oh, sorry. 20 cents. Okay. 20 cents. Um, so it adds up, but there were some features that I really liked from, from an operating standpoint. Like I worried about you know, okay, well, gosh, so I have to send somebody out there to check on inventory every single time. So I'm paying labor. And then he explained that there was actually a PAR system where I could pull on the dashboard. Um, I could set a PAR for every single unit. And then I, I could be wherever I am and pull a dashboard and show exactly what is left in every single refrigerator and what has sold and what has not so that I'm sending out my 
person that's refilling the machines with the exact inventory that they need. And I'm not sending them out without, you know, without needing to basically and paying for them. Uh, yep. That's how I build my list. I still build yep. the list and then the uh, front of house staff blends the smoothies and bottles, the smoothies and makes the smoothie bowls. And then I have the employee that comes in and then tags everything and transfers it all to the machines and then stocks it. it and I, I noticed on the Facebook group, well, hold on. first for the credit card fees, something to keep in mind though, is you pay those fees regardless Anyways. of, yeah, whether it's the machine yeah. or in your shop, you're always paying two and a half or 3% of fees. Yeah. So that's kind of a wash, but it's the RFID tags and, um, well, and I will tell you that the RFID tags are not perfect by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. That's what I was going to mention. I saw in the Facebook group. So what kind of challenges do they present? Um, sometimes we'll get whole rolls that don't work. Um, sometimes, so say we put 20 waters into our LNPC refrigerator and if you put all 20 waters in and shut the door and it shows you that there are 17 in inventory, how do you find the three tags that don't work? Mm. Oh, man. Mm. How do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go each one by one. That's annoying. It's super annoying. And, yeah. you know, it's um, super frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way that do the you... tags are programmed is also, so my background is technology and marketing mm. for te B2B technology companies, exactly this space. And it's interesting the way they've programmed the tags, whereas me, I would have, so I have, we spend a lot of our time where the girl that's stocking says, I have no more tags for this. Well, there's something that ended up not selling and we have another tag and it says maybe tropical green smoothie on it or whatever. I can change that tag to the product that is there, but I have to re-upload a photo. I've got to rewrite the description. There's no repository. So the way that hmm. the tags and the products are attached to each other, it seems backwards. So that's interesting. Like, so now on my phone, I have a Google drive folder. When I go to upload, it goes to that folder, but my employee can't do that. And like with the health department and allergens and things like that, you want to, all that stuff has to be accurate, you know? So it, that's a labor part that I can't necessarily outsource because it's so important that it's right. And also mm -hmm. that shows then at a landing page that shows all the inventory you have in stock. And like our UCF College of Medicine, they are really adamant that, you know, there's a picture for everything, a description for everything. Whereas someone like LMPC, the gym, people are, don't care um, as much. So it's, it's, but you've got to make sure that that page always looks good. So an employee and tags getting mixed up and it's, um, it's a process. Definitely some, a lot of extra things you have to think about. Totally. And then Ashley, I know you're. This, I, real quick, I, I know you're familiar with HACCP and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and did your local inspection agency require the HACCP for this? They have not asked to see it yet. So I don't present anything that they don't ask for. I wait for them to ask. And our first yeah. inspector was very um, green, I would say. And they, as these are becoming more popular, they're starting to ask more questions. But the questions mm -hmm. feel standard to me. I'm also very used to like, um, providing information for like RFPs and stuff like that. So it's really, yeah. we're already doing all of it. It's just getting it back to them. They ask another question. So we're actually going through the process of licensing our third machine right now. And it's a different inspector than the time before. Our switches a lot, very, very often. So we have to build the, that relationship um, over and over again. And then they're each different. So we're just meeting our newest one. Um, Fingers crossed. Huh? 
Yeah, it's always kind of a, but you know, and I even said to them when they didn't license it that exact day, I said, there is a solution to this, right? And they said, yes, there is a solution. We just got to figure out what it is. But their key thing was, you know, we used to be called, we used to call these a um, vending machine and that's the license that you applied for because that's what they told me to do. And um, they kind of, and they're like, because you open the door and you can touch multiple things, that means it can be tampered with. Mm. Um, so it's not really a vending machine because mm -hmm. you it's accessible. So that's where they're like, we just want to make sure that you're doing all the things you need to be doing, like the tamper evidence, seals, tamper evidence, packaging, things like that um, are, you know, up to snuff. They weren't concerned about the transportation as much or, you know, like they haven't zeroed in on that yet. So, but if they do ask, I do have one. And it's, it's good that you're in Florida because I know there's a lot of issues with humidity and keeping the temperatures correct. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it held temp pretty well, the units. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're not a problem. They're all indoors okay. in a, you know, there's mm -hmm. no problem keeping temp. The only time we lose temp is if a door automatically is left open. Okay. I was going to make one note that, um, that I thought was interesting that some people may come across if they're trying to put these units in like, let's say a school or a hospital that already has a vending contract with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that Dan mentioned to me that I thought was interesting was they're actually legally not considered a vending machine. So because you give, um, you can basically get around those vending contracts. So if, if let's say, mm. you know, Clemson University and I'm trying to sell to Clemson has an exclusive vending machine contract with vending ABC, you can get around that loophole because this isn't legally considered mm. a vending machine because I forget how, I guess because you pay after, is that right, Ashley? Or is it the other way around? Yeah, it's not charging your card until you shut the door. Until you shut the door. So as a vending machine, you pay first and then select mm -hmm. the item. And because this is the reverse, it's not legally a vending machine. So if you're, tr if you're trying to get around a loophole of an exclusive that, you know, a partner may have with a vending machine, just keep in mind that might help. Yeah, I could foresee one of those companies not liking that though. And like yeah. go, going back to the university, <laughs> That's not my going problem. back to the university and be like, well, <laughs> technically maybe you're right, but either you need to get that fridge out of here or we're going to increase your prices 20% or something. I don't yeah. Know. God, Charlie, you're such a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the health department, so you're talking about getting your refrigerators licensed. You literally need to deal with the health department and get a license for each unit. Yes. Oh, as if it's a store. As if it's a vending machine today. Mm. Oh. Interesting. So it's, Interesting. A, it's like a $20 fee. Oh, okay. But they have to come out and see it and make sure that it's at temp. Before, Interesting. this last time she's like, oh, it's not full. And I'm like, well, it's never been full. So they actually come out and there's no food in it yet. Mm. For, because you, you wouldn't put perishables in something that's not licensed, you know, and then have to take them back out or whatever. Oh, so they have to come back out twice or what? No, the, before it was just... A, a, it was licensed. And then this is the time where they were like, you know, we're going to have to work on this. <laughs> or mm. gotcha. Are you able to, but the food wasn't in there physically. Are you able to share any numbers? And it's okay if you don't want to, but about how much sales you're doing through these units. So they are all very, very different. Um, but it's taken us uh, in, you see spikes and things where you're like, that's interesting. Um, that it's, so much if you kept it full so in a perfect world if you could have 100% you know capture all the sales i believe that you could turn it twice in a day and do 300 each time if you had enough traffic i feel like you could turn it into a $600 a day 
if you could empty it and refill it. Like if you could do that, we don't do that. We fill it three times a week. Um, mm. But we're, I mean, from the gym, we go anywhere between two and $300 a day. Hmm. So you're paying labor to stock it, but you're not paying labor for someone to take payments and hand people juice and stuff. We can put eight smoothie bowls in there and then be gone oh, wow. in hours. Oh. I think people know that they're fresh and hmm. they don't have to come across the street and it's a great meal. If it rains and the store traffic dies, the box traffic picks up because people leave the gym and they're like, I don't want to have to stop in the rain. So let me just grab my, you know, dinner here or whatever. So how what are you keeping the temp on that and the consistency on your bowls? What do you mean? Do you put them in frozen? Like, do you put them in like hard rock frozen mm -mm. and then they're thawing or what do you? No. So we put ours in um, the freezer for an hour and then we take them out and top them. And then we take them over there, but they hold for four days. What? Our bowl. <laughs> what? What? What temperature are you keeping the fridge? Hold, please. It's at 37. 37. It's at 37. Okay. Well, so Olivia, I've tried to make my bowls like your bowls. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know how you freeze them and reblend them. Our consistency, if you took our pretty and pataya and froze it and then unfroze it and reblended it with, it tastes like an icy. It doesn't keep the creaminess. And I won't do your bee's knees because I'm like, I refuse to put peanut butter into the blender if I don't have to. And I can just put drizzle <laughs> Oh, I don't top. have, I don't use peanut butter. In the, or what, maybe it's not the I bee's do a, knees. I then. do one called a butter, butter, butter me, me up, up. But yes. I use always almond butter where you don't use peanut. Well, no, either one in it. I just don't want it to clean the blender. You <laughs> oh. know, <laughs> like I just can't do it. But I can't batch up. I haven't figured out the magic of batching up and being able to do like, I would love to do your BOGO, but like we blend every single bowl on demand. Oh, sister, we got to talk. There's I know. something funky going on here. It's interesting. So you're freezing for an hour. Sorry, this is mm -hmm. going way sideways here, but you're freezing for an hour and then you top and it's lasting for four days. Mm -hmm. They usually don't last that long, but that's the sure right. The mark we put them at. Yeah, no, we because like, have you ever, you bring your bowl home and then eat it a few days later out of the refrigerator? It's the same thing. If they start to. No, I don't. You don't. We do all the time. No, because mine would melt in the refrigerator. Chef, can you step in here and tell me what's happening? No, I, I've seen operations where they batch everything out and kind of put them in a freezer, let them slack in the, in the reach in. But I haven't heard of slacking it for like four days but i i've known right, there's like a you're gonna have to, to send it, but, us a video of this yeah. yeah i was gonna say she will pull anything that if it she goes and it's before sure. the she'll pull it if it looks like it's separated at all but no and we we protect the granola so it doesn't get soggy all right well send us a video and show us your ways <laughs> yeah that's interesting cool um any other important now our, our acai would not do that it's only one of our bowls that we do our acai mm. would not do that got you is there any other information you think people should know if they're considering going down this route of using these smart coolers? Any other information we haven't touched on? I would just say figure out how, if you're going to be doing a profit share, you know, a percentage to like a gym owner or something like that, you've really got to make sure your numbers are there and that it's, um, that you got to just make sure you're accounting for all your costs. Like Ashley, are you charging anybody? I know um, Dan mentioned to me that some people, like some law firms, he has clients that some law firms just pay like a monthly fee to the, um, let's say to your juice bar. Are you charging anybody or? I've not been able to get that to fly. Got you. Because it becomes a no brainer when you're not at, when everybody's like, we're just trying to provide a value and a benefit. 
you can put it in here. We want, you know, like I, that's what I like. The, <laughs> that's when no one wants yeah. anything. The, and I don't, the nice thing about know. not asking for money is they also don't need to get like budgetary approval because mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if you're dealing with hospitals, or universities or corporations, the budgetary process is brutal. I mean, it's like going through tons of documentation and vendor review. And then once you get approved as a vendor, then they, every June they meet and discuss budget, you know, and then you might finally a year later get something in there. But if you're not asking for any money, I think you kind of pass that whole process. One of the things I thought was cool, um, I don't know if you do this, but you could set in your dashboard to have a sale on any particular SKU or all of the SKUs at a certain time. So like, let's say, you know, that your juices are expiring tomorrow and you have, you know, five of each flavor left, you can at three o'clock set the machine to automatically do a 20% discount or a buy one, get one, right? Is that? The only thing I'm not a hundred percent sure on is like the three o'clock part. I don't know if you can say it's getting towards the end of the day and I really need to fire Salem, but like the management of actually doing that, I definitely fall down on that. Like it's hard to keep up. We actually track the expiration dates outside of the technology because you do Mm -hmm. put the shelf life in, you can put that into the technology and I suppose it would work that way, but we're, um, we actually track all that stuff, uh, manually. Yeah. Check on that, Ashley, because I have in my notes from him that you could have discounts automatically applied to SKUs by time and date. Hmm. And so like, let's say for instance, if you put it into, you know, a, a law firm and they're doing it as a benefit to their, um, to their employees, the company could subsidize if you agree, mm-hmm. if they made an agreement Definitely with that. you, they could subsidize um, a location. So let's say if they do 20% off of juices, you know, from two, three to four o'clock, you could take 10% mm. and they could take 10%. Yep. I've right? never had like it. They could pay you I, back for the. I knew that you can do that and it can automatically, you can set it up to where that subsidy is automatically like invoiced in the system too, mm-hmm. but I've never had anyone take me up on actually wanting yeah. to yeah. subsidize them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is just finding the right client, but yeah. yeah. But the technology is pretty impressive, I would say. So, Ari, have you uh, yes. looked into the health department stuff at all around this? You- yeah. So the regulations, how it should be, I mean, I hate this kind of like a topic where everyone's like, oh, whatever, you know, but (laughs) when you, when you bottle a product, you know, and it leaves a facility that's being inspected by the inspector, that's when a HACCP plan usually comes in effect or it should come in effect. Uh, Is that regulated consistently across the board? Absolutely not. You know, it's kind of a little rare that it's actually enforced you know but anytime and and that's particular to juice you know because it's reduced oxygen packaging you're putting that cap on uh potentially more hazardous they consider a special process so that's usually when that comes to effect but the great thing about these machines is i mean the temperature you know that's the biggest thing that they're worried about is you know how you're going to make sure it's at its proper temperature you know that's the thing that's so fascinating to me to give that ability Along with also being retail, remaining retail, you know, that's the other aspect that's really important. Uh, you're collecting the money for it. If if you weren't, you'd become wholesale, you know, and that's where there's a lot of red flags where they might not even allow that. So, Yeah, it allows you to keep your product raw, really, in theory, because mm-hmm. you're yeah. still being delivered as mm-hmm. they're considered from your hands to the 
client's hand to the guest hands, as long as they're okay, I guess, like you said, with it coming outside of wherever it was produced. That's yeah. the tricky part. Just talk to your local inspector first before you start putting down payments yeah. on machines. On like you know? a branded refrigerator and then it delivers at your door. You're like, oh, I can't use this. Then you try to sell it yeah. and everyone's like, well, my brand is not the same as yours. <laughs> at least float the <laughs> idea to them, you know? <laughs> the, or you could, or you could not. Which is yeah. the, the rules that I live by. I mean, you talk to any like successful brand and they've broken the rules like every time starting off, you know, there's, it's very few well, places. You that know, I think that's, that's part of like, part of the struggle with, you know, um, your local officials and department of health is this whole industry is such a like cluster to them that we don't fit in yeah. any sort of box. And if, a lot of times, even for me, when we've been through Department of Health um, inspections, if you just speak with confidence of like, oh, no, yeah. but I shouldn't have to have that because this is a raw product and we don't you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, a lot of times I've been noticing a lot of my inspectors the past couple of years have been very green. Um, yeah. And of course, you want to be doing the right thing. But sometimes they they have requirements from us that don't pertain to us that are just not you know, and then they're mad that you don't have it. And it's like, well, that doesn't yeah. pertain to us. So, um, you know, always speak with confidence, always ask for forgiveness after, you know, ask what you can do to make it right. And a lot of times they just kind of have to think outside the box, which is hard for them. It's like asking I, somebody at, you know, DMV to think outside the box. It's like, it's not it, happening. It's, it's like, if, if they're not familiar with it, then you're in trouble, you know, like yes, it, it, it becomes challenging. Mm -hmm. I was so lucky that I used to get have a regular inspector for like six, seven years, and we've been through yeah. it all together. And she retired from the health department, and she became a consultant for local operations with like health issues. And so, like, if there was an issue, she'd show up, and then she would call them out on like, you know, that's not right. Telling the health department, you know, just because she's the one yeah. that trained all them on it. She's like, well, you explain this to me, then, you know. So it was really. Yeah, that's amazing a nice to, have, to have. You know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, right. how many how many free nights at the Bellagio do you have to give that lady? <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to make that a reality show, where someone just right? like calls out the health department, like this is not right. You know, you know better yeah, than this. It was awesome. <laughs> I trained you. I've sat in a few of those meetings. It was awesome. Yeah, really. She's like, oh, you're gonna circle back. You're gonna circle back. Like, when can I expect this? I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's, I was like, <laughs> that's the name of the show right there, circling back. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, well, thank you, Ashley, for all that information. If anybody has questions about it, uh, reach out to us at goodnature.com/radio. You can fill in the formula to contact Ari and Olivia, or go on the Facebook group. Uh, and follow up there. We've got a discussion going on there. Or comment on this YouTube video. I haven't said that yet for nine weeks. You may comment and subscribe. You can do that. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so somebody sent me a link this week. Uh, Clean Juice has actually announced that they... Looks like they switched to HPP 12-ounce juices. So... Up until recently, they've been making juice in every store on an X1. And then it uh, looks like they switched now to 
HPP. Let me share my screen here for this. Clicking, uh, tick. First of all, I want to say my first impression, I think they did a great job with the branding and sort of marketing the idea of why they switched and everything. I'm just going to read some marketing material here from the website. USDA certified organic. Our cold-pressed juices are now being made on a farm with high safety and quality standards to ensure you get the tastiest, most consistent product. Hello, sustainability with less food waste and a longer shelf life. We grow our fresh USDA certified organic produce in the fertile, fertile Central Valley of California, known as the fruit capital of the world. New cold-pressed juices are literally juiced on the farm where it's grown and harvested at its best at the optimal time that maximizes tastiness. And then preserved using state-of-the-art, high-pressure, no-heat processing, HPP technology. Talk about farm-to-bottle. So I think they did a good job on the marketing, um, sort of selling the idea of... They're not just like, oh, hey, our juice is HPP now. They're saying now we're bottling them closer to the source. It's better for you. So I think they did a great job with that. Um, I don't quite understand... Literally juice on the farm where it's grown. Like, what farm grows all these things? That doesn't make sense to me. Right? Does it say where it's yeah. coming from? It says California. I thought California. Um, so it, they've also switched to 12-ounce bottles. And here's the interesting thing. They're 12-ounce huh. bottles. So 12-ounce organic HPP plastic bottles starting at seven ninety five. dollars so starting at $8. Which is, uh, I mean, if you compare it to like Suja, Suja is like four ninety five, and that's organic HPP plastic bottle. So they're, uh, and then some of the other juices I think are still nine dollars. But uh, then they have a frequently asked questions here. Let's see, where's the good stuff here? Uh, are the ingredients changing? Here's a question. Yes, indeed. We felt that this was a perfect time to enhance the flavors and explore new ingredients like fennel, black pepper, lemon, and more. We've added some new ingredients to select juices and wellness shots to enhance the flavor. Our wheat, our wheatgrass shot now has fresh wheatgrass grown in California, pressed at the source, and a hint of lemon. Our red juice and immune booster wellness shots now include pineapple. We've replaced the kale in our green juice with fennel, a highly nutritious plant that's packed with heart-healthy nutrients. We've removed the kale... So they're removing kale from the sweet green and added a hint of lemon. Orange now has a hint of lemon for flavor. Balance and pink is now sweetened with agave. Finally, the hot shot wellness shot has lemon and black pepper. So they're adding lemon to lots of things, I imagine, for shelf life concerns, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Added pineapple to a couple of juices, probably to make it sweeter, I guess. Remove kale because some people don't like kale. Like, it seems like in general, the juices look more made for the mass market as opposed to you know the hardcore juicing people uh well i do want to i do want to kind of n note one thing um about that price um you know i've mentioned on the podcast before that i do have a line of hpp juices and a line that we press in-house on our x1 both in charlotte and greenville I think the misconception a lot of times, um, even amongst our industry, is that when you go to HPP, it's going to allow you to sell at a $4 price point. Right. And I would tell you as an owner-operator that is doing HPP and pressing fresh, my HPP product costs me more and I have a higher food cost than what I'm pressing in-house. 
So, you know, I think like when you look at a Suja that's selling, you know, at $4, that for, that's one of the challenges for me for HBP is it's, it actually costs me more. Um, so you're, you're like, why the hell would you do that? If it's costing you more and you're, you know, losing some integrity or, you know, um, perception of integrity of the juice, why would you do it? Well, because it allows me to take the juice for longer, right? And allows me to wholesale legally and a bunch of other reasons. But um, the reason I think that Suja and some of these other companies are able to sell $4 and smaller companies like I am not is because, you know, they had a $200 million investment by Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. right? And so they're not really owned by Coca-Cola, but they're doing it at such a mass level that I could never do. And so my price is much higher at HPP. And so that's what one thing that's hard about HPP is like, even you're seeing it right now at Clean Juice, you're thinking, oh man, how are they going to compete with Suja at four? They can't compete with Suja at four. You know, I think that they're expecting that people are going to come into their store, have a clean juice experience. Um, and they're, they're going to need to price that bottle more because their food cost is potentially even more than it was before they were HPPing it. Yeah, they yeah their business model is not wholesale, so they're definitely not right. directly competing with Suja because they're not on the shelf next to Suja. Um, they are still right, but I mean in a consumer's mind. Right. So right. yeah, like, so they're selling in refrigerators in their juice bars. Still, they're just sure correct. Stop making it or selling HPP. Um, they're just doing it for this. Um, the operations not to have to press in each of their franchises. Yes. Right to take that and to where they can just buy direct and mark it yes. up and. Cap, catch that, you know. I mean, so trust me, I, I, some, I know. Margin. I mean, it's it's hard enough when you're make running an X one and one juice bar, but I think they're up to 130 stores or mm. something now. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, consistency is yeah so consistency tough. is is I think where they struggle. Can you imagine trying Any to manage? You know, yeah. Can you imagine trying to manage? No. Like, oh. <laughs> don't even make me imagine that. And and not not only like 130 oh. stores that you own, but. 130 stores owned by maybe, I don't know, 75 different franchise people, owners. So they're different owners that own their no. business. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's extremely difficult. I think from a business standpoint, I understand why they did it. I think it makes sense. I think... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think at that scale, it is very difficult to manage juice production in 100 plus different locations every day. Like, you know, I've walked into clean juice stores and the fridges have been empty because... They didn't get the production in time or the machine was down or something. And I, I think for a business of that size, it probably from as a business aspect, it makes sense. It might help with consistency too. I mean, you know, there's, a, I don't know about other clean juices, but they're the one closest to me that I've been in and that I've actually hired associates from. There's not always a manager there. And so, um, you know, there was consistency issues. There was, you know, things happening in the back of the house that probably wasn't what um, clean juice as a as a brand would want. Um, just you know horror stories that you hear when associates come over and you take it a little bit with a grain of salt. But you know it's just hard to manage all of that. And and that's a that's a brand that at least in my area is run by very young associates, um, you know high school age kids with no managers in there at times. And so yeah, you're not you know imagine that they would have an uptick in sales because at least they'll have you know, consistent juice bottles in their fridge now, you would, somebody yeah. ordering correctly. Yeah. I mean, with 45 day shelf life, it's much easier for them to manage the inventory and send the franchisees, yeah. you know, boxes or cases of juice. And then they just stock the fridge when you unpack them and yep. Yeah. It definitely will help my cleanse business 
because <laughs> when you drop to a 12 ounce bottle and then you HPP, it's like, you know, that people will, people come to us from our competitors when they drop from a 12 ounce because during a cleanse, you're wanting to stay full, you know, mm, interesting. Cleanse. Yeah. And so dropping to a 12 ounce sends us business for sure. In- interesting. And then, yeah. so th- they talk about that a little bit here. They say, are 12 ounce juices still as nutritional? Yes. Listening to our guests is important, and many told us that six quantities, 16-ounce cold-pressed juices and milks were simply too much to consume. For new cold-pressed bottles, juices will maintain their nutrient density of essential vitamins, antioxidants, and minerals. We are harvesting from a central California farm that only uses organic produce at peak readiness and bottling at the source to ensure consistency and quality. The smaller juices are an easy grab-and-go option for under $10, Perfect for those wanting to add additional fruits and vegetables to their daily lifestyle. We value feedback from a guest, and this is a direct response to the request. So, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess they listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What is the new process? How does it enhance quality of the juices? Um, yeah, previously, clean juice storage received organic ingredients, fruits and vegetables from third-party distributors. And prepared, then press the cold press juices in house with a dedicated cold presser. Well, this was optimal first few years of existence. Clean juices ascension and growth across 33 states and more than 130 open stores created a more scalable, operationally efficient, and consistent process. The launch of cold press juices, production of new bottled juices will be made on a farm that uses only organic produce. Yeah, so I mean, basically what we just said here their scale, I mean, especially organic too. Imagine trying to source organic ingredients in 130 different stores all over the country. Were they always organic before? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. They they as they started out, they were the only at that time the only certified organic franchise I think in the country. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. kind of their whole their whole thing. Yeah, I remember back when I first started that first juice operation. I was looking for assistance with starting a certified organic raw juice operation i think it was like seven eight years ago maybe even nine now Mm -hmm. and i remember there was only like katie's cold press in california i remember she was certified organic and i i mean it was it was really rare you know and i remember when they came out like i was blown away it -hmm. was like oh it's like a raw certified organic in every single operation it was amazing. It was. You know, was it was amazing. I mean, blown away by it. The dedication to making juice in every store means they're organic. That was really incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Impressive. Um, then this another frequently asked question here: Are any nutrients lost during high pressure processing? HPP has no material effect on macronutrients in the cold pressed juice, but it does reduce microorganisms a hundred thousand times. Here's a few recent studies that touch on HPP process and nutritional value. One is from ResearchGate. That's like a research website. The other from Hyperbaric. It's kind of funny to link to an article by the manufacturer of HPP machines. I mean, that'd be like yeah, that'd be like linking to an article on Good Nature saying that uh, you know pressing on a Good Nature <laughs> machine is better than pressing on one of our competitors or something. But you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I have written about this a lot and researched a lot. There are some. Some studies that show there are some differences, but some nutrients, at least testing it directly after HPP, do make it through 100%. Some are less. Some enzymes do not 
make it through the other side. And there hasn't been a lot of testing done like a couple of weeks or a month later. So anyway, yeah, so that is the news on that. Hmm. Also, I noticed, I don't think I see HPP labeled on the bottle, which, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I'm in support. Is it showing you the back of the bottle? No, but someone sent me a picture and I saw it. There's, there, oh, there's okay. no like HPP on the label, which I don't really like. I hmm. think people should be more transparent. So that Agreed. they know what they're buying. I don't have a problem with HPP. I just think if you do it, you should label it. I'd love to see how it does, you know, because I mean, the the juice in industry, like the trends, you know, you think about it like 10, 15 years ago, people don't really care too much about organic. People don't care about too much about where their produce was grown. And it's just been growing more and more, mm-hmm. you know, like people are more aware, like a vegetarian restaurants, so like you go to a vegetarian restaurant and they'd have tofu and like styrofoam bread, you know, 15 years ago. Now you go to a place and you can't even tell it's a vegan restaurant. Mm. You know, I went to a, a taco restaurant in Vegas before I left and it was hundred percent vegan. I had no idea, like amazing tacos, you know, and just how that industry has grown so much more and how people are more aware of, you know, raw, organic, vegan, all this stuff, how, the general public is more and more aware of that and see how, how it will do. Yeah. It's also always a good thing where, for example, when evolution fresh got acquired by Suja, by uh, Starbucks and then on every table in every Starbucks was a little card explaining why cold pressed juice is better than, you know, juice from concentrate and stuff. And it, that was so good for the industry that some company with that much money behind yeah. them were promoting it, you know, so good and i kind of feel that the clean juice too even if they've gone away from the raw press in house everywhere if what they're doing now it allows them to put more marketing dollars behind promoting cold press juice that could be a good thing for the industry and these price points they help other people like they're clean juice all over the country if they're charging eight and nine dollars for a 12 ounce juice that makes it easier for other Juice bars that justify Yeah, I mean, it, thank you know? God they're not selling them at four or five. I know. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, we'd be screwed if they were. Yeah. Ashley, have you considered or experimented with HPP? We have. Um, we have a facility that's about 45 minutes away. So we had a um, partnership with uh, a, a restaurant. It's called Zaza's in the airport, and they have three locations. Two were more like, coffee kiosk than they were actual restaurants. So um, they carried us in all, three of our juices in all three of those. So we were driving the juice 45 minutes away and bringing it back and dropping it off at the airport once a week. But the ability for us to press all of that in-house, I mean, we were running, <laughs> you know, many late nights to get that much juice pressed every week in the bottles. I mean, it, we did it for about a year. And when we finally figured out kind of how to scale it, it it stopped. And it was like, we were just getting to where we could have made this really profitable. We could have, you know, streamlined our operations. Um, but it wouldn't be something that I would just jump back into knowing now how much it takes to do it. You know, that's, that's when we talked, right, Ashley? Mm-hmm. Yes. That, okay. Now I remember. Yes. You said some golden words to me about orange juice. <laughs> about orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't repeat them. I'm not going don't to repeat them here. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> um so so you're pressing the juice yourself and then taking it to HPP tolling facility and they're HPPing it for you? Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's the other yep. way to do it. The the way and that's that... really when our HACCP plan came into play. Mm, right. Makes sense. Just nice. Saying, that's that's when <laughs> well because it became the Department of Agriculture, so they were like you know dogs on a bone. Whereas when you're just dealing with the Department of Hotel and Restaurants through the Health Department, it was a little bit different. You know. Same. All right, let's move yeah. on to some seasonal holiday discussion stuff. So as we move into winter here. Um, it becomes a little tougher in some areas to get people to come into the store and buy juice. So I'd like to pick everyone's brain about some ideas as far as refreshing your menu for the holiday, maybe doing some marketing stuff. Um, so Ari, when you work with clients, how do you think about seasonality going into winter here? Yeah. Winter is kind of tricky because, you know, it's spring, summer, you have all these amazing produce you can kind of mess around with all these fresh herbs and stuff. So you got to get a little more creative. Uh, certain root vegetables are, are great during the winter, you know, kind of cabbages and stuff like that. I love, I mean, milks are a great option, especially during the holidays. Some cool stuff I love doing is adding like citrus, like zest to milks to have kind of like a unique flavor. I think we got a milk recipe with like orange zest on there and a bunch of different spices. It's really cool. It feels like mm. the holidays, you know, uh, and especially if you guys are in colder areas, ciders, you know, do the traditional, do a bunch of crazy different ciders, experiment with that. Uh, yeah, there's tons of options out there. If you guys, you know, have any questions, feel free to reach out. You know, bounce some ideas off each other. Uh, Facebook page. I mean, feel free. Yeah, Ari, one of the services you offer is you do help people refresh their menu for different seasons. So if anybody would like help with that, goodnature.com slash radio, fill out that form. Uh, so, Olivia, talking about more of the marketing aspect, how yeah. how can you do some holiday sort of marketing to drive uh, more business into your juice bar? Well, this is really the time that you should be, um, if you have a leadership team that you should be meeting with your leadership team. For example, I just met with mine this week. We're talking about holiday cleanses. Um, for us, Thanksgiving um, cleanses and New Year's cleanses is a big push for us. It's where we bring in a lot of cash um, cash flow into the, into the house. Now, obviously, you know, if we're running a cleanse promo for us, we do a discount on, on that cleanse, but we're really focused on volume. So just keep in mind, if you're going to run a discount on something, your, your food cost is going to go up, but hopefully you're getting enough volume there that what it's bringing is a nice cash flow in to round out the end of your year. Um, knowing particularly for a juice bar that we're heading into January, February, March, which if any of you are like me, that's my slowest months of the year. So it's just nice to have some extra cash in the accounts um, so that you can use that for labor or, um, you know, whatever promos you want to be doing heading into spring. Um, but just be thinking a little bit outside the box. So if you want to talk holiday cleanses, I have a great holiday mini package that a lot of people have been signing up for um, that helped you really determine what are the six best, best juices with the food cost. Um, on your menu, help help you figure out how to talk about that and market that, help you figure out what days you should be producing, what days you should be taking orders, pick up and delivery days. But even outside of that, be thinking about remembering what parents are really really think, doing right now. They're buying, and as we head into Christmas, they're buying teacher Christmas gifts, they're buying stocking stuffers, they're buying holiday party things. So 
be looking for some ways to pick up some easy sales that are like 25 and below. One thing we're going to do this year at Southern Press Juicery is we're going to go ahead and prepackage um, some gift cards and like a $15 or $25 and a $50 um, and wrap some of them already for teacher's gifts. Like, thank you, teacher. So they just have mm. to grab them, check out with them and head out. So we're even going to do the wrapping for them. Uh, we always, our back of the house does a really nice um, pumpkin spice that we sell in just a little spice jar. It'd be nice to do something like that for the season. Um, but really start thinking about those cleanses. So, you know, maybe packaging your granola, something that you're already doing in-house, but just tie a damn ribbon on it and add a couple extra bucks to it and send it out the door. That's really going to help you increase your um, average ticket price. And then, like Chef said, I love that idea of the, of the zest in a, in a milk. I haven't done that. Yet. I'll look for that recipe. But you're going to start seeing um, really a transition of out of pumpkin and into some more holiday-esque things, right? So be thinking about that. Make sure that you've got those recipes ready or reach out to Chef Ari. And be, don't be behind the ball, right? So make sure you're, you're coming out. I always Google to see when Chick-fil-A and Starbucks are coming out with their seasonal things. And I try to base mine around that. And so I'll start flipping over my smoothie menu from pumpkin-y things to more minty, um, you know, chocolatey things. So um, it comes fast. I mean, as soon as you take that Thanksgiving holiday, it's Christmas is here. So just be ready for it. I really like the idea of packaging things as gifts because it you're yeah. like if you're at it, if you're in a store and you see something that's oh I can just buy this and give it directly to the person without worrying about wrapping or yes. card or anything. It makes it so, such an easy purchase. I really like that. Yeah, and it's nice because it's local. People love giving mm -hmm. local things. And just remember to keep them within prices. You know, like some people don't want to spend more. They maybe have multiple teachers or multiple kids. So try to keep them at prices that people know in their heads. Okay, I need to grab a $10 elephant, you know, white elephant gift for the, you know, office party or whatever. So keep them at really just kind of easy price points. What about one expensive gift box that has all your yeah. different products so, in it and stuff? Yeah. So like for me, that's, that's wildcrafted, you know, our oh, right. adaptogen. Mm -hmm. So we'll put in three, three jars of wildcrafted and we'll sell those for 90. We'll put them in a nice clear container, mm. wrap a red ribbon on it. Um, you know, maybe just start discounting some things. We tried to do some Christmas baskets and this didn't work as well as I thought they would. It seemed like people just wanted one or two items to walk out the door with. So, you know, just try it and let us know what works. We're, I think everybody in the industry is, oh, I did have a client today that had a really great idea, actually, that she does. Um, when she does her New Year's cleanse sales, she also sells dry brushes and encourages people as they're cleansing to take, you know, mm. like a ritual bath and, and, and clean your body and get rid of that dead skin. And so I thought that was really cool. You know, I'm always looking to brand things. So look for unique items like that that you can brand with your juice bar. Um, and then resell it. People are always going to be thinking about it when they're looking at your logo. But that was one I hadn't heard of that I really That's liked. interesting. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants help with marketing during the holiday season, reach out to Olivia. Goodnature.com slash radio. Uh, Ashley, you're in Florida, so you don't get hit quite as hard as seasonality as some other places. But do you change your menu or anything as we get into the holidays? We definitely do. Um, I love all the stuff you've been doing, Olivia, with the lives where you showed like how your promotional signage and you flip through each of them for your seasons. So, yeah. So coming up with it, that's actually one of the things on my to-do list with our nutritionist is really coming up with a strong seasonal menu so that we are able to flip the sign just as soon as it goes from Thanksgiving to 
Christmas. So, you know, we've been in business just over two years in September. So it's literally gotten me this long to like be able to put something together that's I can reproduce each year. Like I finally feel like I've gotten my like sea legs under me, you know? Yeah, good. Well, yeah, because you don't, you know, you need a couple seasons to see what's going to sell, you know, totally. and even when you think you've got it figured out, like this summer, we released some crazy bowls in the summer. And I talked about a beet one that we did for Valentine's. I was like, this is never going to sell, but it did great. So, you know, it's nice to, to finally get, like you said, some sea legs under you and know you can have that pre-planned. And those things are so inexpensive, you know, I mean, I think they cost me like $25 or something to print at Staples. They're really cheap. And they look really great. And it just kind of gives you that professional edge that maybe people don't expect from their local juice bar. Totally. The holiday item that we've kind of been brainstorming on is doing a cute little set of, you know, sea moss is really popular right now, but you can Mm -hmm. infuse it. So you could have a digestion, you can have a internal healing, you know, you can put a spin around where people could sample out a couple different flavors and like a little gift package. Yeah. Chef, how does the sea moss work? Because I know I I got your um, latest juicing companion book and that's something that my staff has been playing around with, but is it something that you typically, I think you had a sea moss smoothie yeah. in the latest um, book, but I'm seeing other juice bars that are having it in their grab and go case. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, you want to hydrate the, the moss and you could do that with cold water refrigerated over a certain amount of time. Sometimes traditionally they'll boil it or add hot water to it. And then as soon as it's soft, you just basically blend it till smooth with some, some liquid, you know, uh, is that how you do it, Ashley, or do you incorporate juices and stuff or no, we're just making it for our smoothie bar. And now we're going to start reselling it now that we've learned to kind of flavor it, get the right texture, get the right flavor to where we're comfortable, you know, not just using it behind the bar. Yeah. Sourcing is huge with that too. You got to find that. Yeah. Good. store every time I say that, cause I I've, I've bought some. When I first started and it was just like bleach and I researched it and <laughs> what do you mean? It was like bleach stuff. It smelled like bleach. Treated. Yeah, it's like chemically treated. Uh, okay. The stuff that's white is like, it's not supposed to look like that. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So chef, when, when people are putting it in their grab and go case, is that, is the expectation that the guests would just eat it out of the, or would they blend it into something? Yeah. I mean, if you're hardcore, you could just you could just eat it, but they would blend, yeah. maybe blend it into Blends like in their great. own smoothie. It goes. Okay. It even goes. It works well with juices too. Cool. You know, I've I've tried some. I got samples once, and I ate some raw. It just kind of tastes what you expect. Like, it just kind of tastes like algae from. from and you can flavor it though. I mean, you can put mm-hmm. you can puree it with any kind of fruit to give it. A, so it's not like the one that mm-hmm. we use for smoothies isn't necessarily always flavored, but if we were going to resell it, like you can add an additional $5 on for a flavored version. If they're going to take a tablespoon or a teaspoon or whatever, and not put it into their smoothies, I would want one that was flavored personally. Hmm. And why are people into sea moss like nutritionally? You know, it's like 92 minerals, you know, and plant, but when you're plant-based too, you're not getting necessarily the stuff from the sea that you would be if if you were eating Hmm. fish, but it's got a million health benefits. Yeah. It's packed. Yeah. That's all right. Well, we've gone over an hour. I think we can wrap it up. Ashley, thank you so much for joining this week. It's fun having you on. Olivia, Ari, until next week, peace out. We'll see you then. Bye, Ashley. Thank you, guys. Press in fruits and roots. 
This week I did it my way Baby say oh Now let's have some fun There is nothing greater Than Fridays at Good Nature